Hello, Ross Sharp here with another episode of Aeronautica. What has this ungainly, jury-strutted pusher biplane amphibian have to do with that doyen of World War II fighter aircraft, the Spitfire? Well, it's not just that they were both built by the same company, Vickers Supermarine Limited, nor that both their prototypes were taken on their first flights by the renowned test pilot Mutt Summers. No, it is the fact that they were both designed, amazingly, by that aeronautical genius Reginald Mitchell. In the late 1920s, Supermarine were noted for their seaplanes, and the Royal Australian Air Force took delivery of six of their Seagull III amphibians, which formed the total aircraft establishment of HMAS Albatross, a seaplane tender and the first Australian warship, 1929 which would later be taken into Royal Navy service, converted as a landing ship engineering, and provide engineering support and repair facilities to naval craft off Sword and Juno beaches in Normandy on D-Day. The RAN at this time, just like the Royal Navy, did not operate the aircraft carried by their ships. In the Royal Navy case, the Royal Air Force supplied aircrew and engineers and the Royal Australian Air Force did the same for the RAN. A successor aircraft to the Seagull III, designated by Vickers Supermarine as their Type 223 and capable of being catapult-launched, was designed by Reginald Mitchell in 1932, after a long series of hydrodynamic tests on models in the Vickers water tank at St Albans. After being sent the specification of the Seagull 5, the Australians decided that this was just what they needed and placed an order for 24. The Seagull 5 had a conventional light alloy single step hull. The biplane wings had two stainless steel spars, front and rear, with corrugated webs and tubular flanges. Secondary components were a mixture of ply and spruce. The wing-leading edges were sheathed in plywood and the hole covered in Irish linen. A stabilising float was fitted underneath each wing, directly under the interplane struts. The engine, a Bristol Pegasus IM2 in the Seagull 5, was mounted at the rear of a light alloy egg and drove a wooden pusher propeller. There was provision for light bombs or depth charges, with a 303 Vickers gas-operated machine gun in both a bow and midships gun position. The VGOs were usually mounted on a scarf gun ring, the classic mounting from World War I. The prototype's first flight took place on the 21st of June 1933 in the capable hands of Mutt Summers, who was later to handle all the early testing of the Spitfire. Mutt undertook both the test flights from Eastleigh Airport, Southampton, and the water takeoffs and landings from Southampton Water. He was pleased with the excellent flying characteristics of the amphibian, but the thrust from the Pegasus engine's four-bladed wooden propeller impinged only on one side of the fin, meaning that a constant state of yaw existed. This was rectified by the engine nacelle being offset to port by three degrees. The other faults which had showed up, a too rigid undercarriage and ground handling which was described as only fair, 
were rectified by R.J. Mitchell and the aircraft was booked to appear at the Society of British Aerospace Companies 1933 show to be held at Royal Air Force Hendon. During the public display, Mutt Summers, who had carefully checked with the company's engineers, utterly astonished the crowd and Mitchell, who was watching, by looping the ungainly amphibian. Following catapult trials at RAE Farnborough, the Royal Air Force ordered the aircraft for use by the Royal Navy as their new spotter reconnaissance aircraft to be catapulted off their capital ships and also used from land bases. The official British name was now Walrus and no less than 746 aircraft were to be built between 1933 and 1944. The Walrus became the first British military aircraft with a fully retracting undercarriage into recesses in the lower wing and a fully enclosed crew cabin. Vickers Supermarine now had a major problem, space. By the late 1930s, with massive orders from the Royal Air Force for their iconic Spitfire fighter rolling in, the company now had no room for the Walrus production line. The nearby firm of Sanders Row on the Isle of Wight famous for their flying boats, took over all walrus production. Indeed, Sanders Row were responsible for building all walrus Mark II aircraft with their wooden hulls. Pilots preferred these, not just for the more powerful Pegasus VI of 775 horsepower, but for their much quieter takeoffs and landings and its better water handling qualities. Before World War II broke out, there was just time to fulfil an order from Ireland for three walrus to act as fishery and naval patrol aircraft. These were diverted from Royal Air Force stocks and were L-2301, L-2302, L-2030, of which more later. When World War II broke out, the Royal Navy took the walrus to sea in their capital ships, and these catapult flights performed wonders, dueling with German Messerschmitts off the Norwegian coast, bombing land targets of the Italian forces during the East African campaign, running supplies by night into besieged Tobruk, and evacuating casualties in the western desert. In one amazing incident, a walrus crew accepted the surrender of Vichy French forces and the island of Madagascar, by the waving of white flags from the ground. By now, the RAF was operating the Walrus too, and it did sterling work in the North Sea, the Channel and the Western approaches. Its maximum speed of only 135 miles per hour was hardly impressive, but its extreme manoeuvrability often allowed it to survive against enemy fighter opposition when encountered. By 1944, however, this lack of speed meant it could only act as an ineffective gunnery spotter for the Royal Navy's battleships and heavy cruisers, and it was withdrawn. This allowed the Royal Air Force to take over some of these aircraft and increase its air-sea rescue force, particularly in support of the 8th and 9th Air Forces of the United States Air Forces in their bombing campaign, as well as the RAF's Fighter and Bomber Command. 
ASR Walrus aircraft stood ready to be scrambled from coastal Royal Air Force stations like Manston in Kent to retrieve aircrew who had ended up in the drink. Indeed, ASR support was not limited to RAF aircrew, as other airmen, including those from the United States Army Air Force's 8th Air Force, for example, were also saved by the ungainly Shagbat, as it was sometimes known. Sometimes extreme courage was shown by walrus crews when they landed in minefields to pick up airmen, or taxied many miles in seas too rough to take off, in order to bring rescued personnel back to Allied territory. The walrus had been supplied to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Turkey, Portugal, France and Argentina, but the end of the war brought a swift end to British service, the last examples being retired in 1946. The aircraft you can see, L2301, in the Fleet Air Arm Museum, Yeovilton, was one of three supplied to the Irish Air Corps. It was an unlucky aircraft in that it forced landed off Wexford on the 3rd of March 1939 on its delivery flight. Towed to land, it suffered further damage and was finally delivered to its destination, Baldonnell Airfield, Dublin, by road. During the early part of World War II, or the emergency as it was officially known in ERA, N-18 served with No. 1 Squadron, Irish Air Corps. Along with the other walrus aircraft, it performed fishery and neutrality patrols over Irish territorial waters. It might have continued its peaceful way if it had not been for the actions of four Irish citizens. One of them was a rather discontented member of the Irish Air Corps. What happened next was the stuff of movies, if not of legend. On the 9th of January 1942, the aircraft was stolen and the four adventurers set out in the direction of Cherbourg in occupied France. Their intention? To join the Luftwaffe. Needless to say, another product of R.G. Mitchell's fertile brain in the shape of a section of four Royal Air Force Spitfires intercepted the fleeing walrus and forced it to land at Royal Air Force Station St. Evil in Cornwall. The four individuals and the walrus were, after negotiation, returned to Ireland. Eventually, in 1946, this walrus came up for sale, and it was purchased by the Royal Air Force Ace Wing Commander Rod Kellett, DSO DFC, who was by then Commanding Officer of No. 615, County of Surrey Squadron, Royal Auxiliary Air Force. He bought it for the very reasonable sum of £150. This distinguished unit was based at the famous Biggin Hill airfield and was flying Spitfire Mark 14s. It was rather appropriate, therefore, that their new squadron hack, used for swimming parties along the south coast under the British registration Golf Alpha India Zulu Golf, was another Mitchell design. The aircraft was scrapped in 1948 and consigned to a dump near Tame. Here, amazingly, the fuselage and engine were found in reasonable shape by members of the Historic Aircraft Preservation Society in 1963. This time, a purchase price of only £5 was needed. The HAPS presented the aircraft to the Fleet Air Arm Museum, and a long, painstaking rebuild-reconstruction process took place. The aircraft is now beautifully displayed in a hangar at the Fleet Air Museum, with the wings folded to show how it would have been stowed 
in a shipboard hangar. The Vickers Supermarine Type 236 Walrus. Possibly an ugly duckling, but certainly a stout-hearted performer. <laughs>